0: Atlassian.
1: Welcome to Reporting Is Eligible. I'm Paul Noonan of Acme Packing Company and uh, the Shepherd Express, and uh, I'll be perfectly honest: uh, none of us really want to be here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was not a great game. There's uh, what turns out to be really fun baseball going on right now, too. Not that Matt cares about that, but Jr. and I do. Um, and reliving this game is uh, actually, I think, a little bit painful for everybody because. There's not a lot of positives to take away from it But you know we'll go do it we'll go through it and We'll find what we can um, And you know go through the what went wrong What might get better what won't get better All that crap um, To help me do this first of all in urban Wauwatosa I assume watching baseball
2: Oh heavens yes I'm watching Baseball it's J.R. Radcliffe Trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel there are some I think there are Some positives from this The From this game well thank One God, God that- you're here one is that the fans turned out in massive droves packers <laughs> fans run europe so that's awesome um hopefully uh, it, it feels like maybe not as many fans that actually live in europe were able to get into the game that they were there were not very many tickets available so that's kind of a bummer but uh, great to see the packers fans turning out great to know that they're going to be wearing those all green uniforms next week um Hold on. I feel like I can come up with one more positive. Oh. Uh... <laughs> I mean. I'm Matt, but you good. can
0: call me my All
1: right. Way <laughs> to get in quick. I think there it is. One more positive is yeah. Um, sometimes you hear these stories when, like, the Badgers are playing in a place they haven't played before and, like, a bar will run out of beer. Um, there's no chance of that happening in England anywhere. Um, it's equipped to handle... The uh, the the Packer on the road home game and and so we didn't have any of those stories. I feel like that's a positive too.
0: Oh, positive! It was the most watched uh, NFL game on the NFL Network since 2016.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a good positive. People liked it. There you go.
2: I mean, they, they they knew that. They, that's why they've been begging to get the Packers yeah. into this situation uh, up until this point. That had not been possible, but. Yeah, I, I am a little surprised that maybe they didn't make a bigger dent in the beer the beer supply on the continent than than they did. Kudos to England for holding up. Yep. Um, but uh, <laughs> now the question is, which Packers personnel get left in London when the when they come home? Which they're already home. It's, it's
0: well, the Giants home. literally lost their game. punter.
2: That's true. Yeah, that's yes, true. that is true. Uh, spe- well, the Packers' special teams is the only good unit now, so those guys are coming back. Yeah, but... the
1: only problem with them is Amari, who wasn't supposed to be playing anyway. And I think even they know he's not good. They just were like, "Well, you're the backup, so head on in." <laughs> but yeah, they're good. They, I feel like that, that's maybe a lesson here. We'll get to Joe Barry later, but um, they made a coaching change. The coach is better. He whipped them into shape, and now they're a good unit. And we'll 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 get to that more in a bit. Um uh did you guys like the 9:30 or 8:30 whenever it really starts? Yes. It, I thought you might. Um I had soccer tournaments and I think if I had no youth sports I would have like made a big brunch and had a good old time of it but I couldn't but I was trying to imagine if I would otherwise. So
2: life is easier when you imagine that you're single and don't have a family, <laughs> I find. But um oh for me for me it was at <laughs> the end like you were able to wake up. Uh, I loved waking up. I loved Rolling out of bed and having Packers right there right away. That was awesome Uh, for me, though, like the youth sports kicked in at the end. So, like, I missed the ending, the crucial moments of this game because I was sitting there watching all baseball, you know, I love
0: how at first JR is like I used to like waking up (laughs) and then the Packer game happened.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true that definitely it was a huge like to be in the middle of the noon games. And I I tweeted this, and of course I was joking. Like, there's just so much football, so much unnecessary football left. But that is kind of what it feels like. It's You're so down on the Packers, and it's like, why is there all this football left to go today? Why aren't we done with it? There's so much of it. Uh, That was sort of a surreal feeling. If the Packers had won, it would have been a truly jubilant day of NFL watching, I think.
0: Well, I was up at 530 because my children do not care.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, they, they don't. That is what they But I was at
0: the the bar with my first beer in hand at quarter after seven.
1: Mm, Nice work.
0: It was phenomenal. And then uh, my buddy Luke was there, who was a Lions fan, and he stuck through the whole Packer game with me. Good for him. And then I stayed for most of the Lions game with him. And when it was 19 to nothing in the third quarter, he and I both looked at each other and went, like, go home, take a nap. like,
1: yes. Kudos to the Lions, by the way, for pulling off the – uh, not trifecta there might not be three things here but being highly entertaining and highly terrible um because they do need a quarterback still and i i think our worries with the lions were that they would be a little too good to draft a good one not a problem they'll they'll, they'll be fine on that front <laughs> um and, but they're super fun to watch anyway they're the worst team on defense uh, seattle and them i guess are in the running for it but ooh, they, they are they are creative and good even though they suck so is that uh, a chaotic bad chaotic the, bad the they're right a chaotic there? bad yes a- absolutely Like, the Bears are boring and bad, Um, and even not quite bad enough. They're kind of what we thought the Lions might be in terms of quality. Like, they've already won too many games. Uh, Good old Bears. But anyway, we have our own problems, so we don't need to dwell on the other NFC.
0: Would you say that that the Bears are who we thought they
1: were? Yes, I would. I would always say that.
2: Um, Before we let them off the hook, the... um... I feel like I feel like the theme of this whole game is inflexibility and we talked about that before, but it, it, and, and I could be wrong about this and some of this is just behind closed door stuff that you'd never know. but the inflexibility of the defense to seemingly react seems like a, a big takeaway and the inflexibility of the quarterback to get away from being the star star player, you know like taking the deep shots and not sort of dialing it back. I, I feel like on both fronts, that seems to be what the Packers are facing right now.
1: Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. Um, on, on the offensive side, I think we have the additional we got to start worrying now about Aaron actually having some real physical decline. Um, it, we have we have these excuses. we have the offensive line is still not great and boy, is it not great with Royce out there uh, the, the receivers are young Christian Watson got hurt. but there are some now worrying trends with Aaron. Um, for one thing, his PFF grade, and you know they they have problems, yes, but they try and isolate performance from surrounding cast. Uh, he's twelfth in PFF grade right now. That's not great, and not usually Aaron. I know we all talk. We talk about that Chiefs game. They graded poorly that one time when he threw five touchdowns. And they gave him like a C or whatever crap they do. Um, they they have been very, I would say, high on Aaron in the recent past when he hasn't been performing. Not the case now. Um, and he's not good in any metric. He's not good in DVOA or DYAR or uh, EPA, any of that. And uh, there are some there's some bad tr- trends in some of his other statistics as well. If we got bad, if, if Aaron's seriously going to be like a mediocre Matt stafford quarterback, this is going to be a problem. So um, part of it, I think, is him being dumb, but... He's not as fast. That rush gets to him super fast, and he can't get away from it. Um, even on that fourth and two at the end of the game, like he should have handed it to Dylan, and he should have hit Romeo Dobbs instead of throwing it to Alan Lazard. But I think younger Aaron might have actually just kept the ball and run through a giant hole on the left side and picked up a first down and maybe scored. Never even crossed his mind. So, um, yeah, they're inflexible, but they also have... The quarterback might be a bigger problem than we kind of all anticipated in the first place that's my biggest worry my biggest scare that we may have
2: here well then you marry marry that with the inflate because Aaron Rodgers is going to be the last to realize that he's having yeah that's true he's declining and he's you know the the example everyone keeps bringing up is this after the long long touchdown that chewed up eight minutes or whatever he goes and throws a couple deep balls and a three and out that takes up 26 seconds or whatever the time was I mean there there doesn't seem to be an awareness that like maybe I'm not the way this 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 ends you know I'm not the way that this team wins a game yeah. and and I don't expect that to to sink in anytime soon you know
1: and I don't think he's hit a I can't remember him hitting a deep ball on the outside yet this year Christian Watson dropped one that's not Aaron's fault Romeo dropped one that's not Aaron's fault but like um his metrics now on outside throws are really really bad um and it's kind of a 3 year decline um, in 2020, he uh, th- throwing outside the numbers past the line of scrimmage completed 71.3% of those passes. Went down a tick to 70 66 uh, 67% last year. This year it's 53. <laughs> that's that's real bad. And that's not just the bombs. Um, shots out to the flat to like Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon out of the backfield. He's just missing those too. Um, yeah,
0: he he has not hit the flat at all this year. Yeah, like, it's
1: kind of incredible. He's really just a middle middle of the field thrower at this point. And uh that's like what Jimmy Garoppolo does. <laughs> um you you kind of get that performance right now. That's not good. It's very bad. It's ugly. I hate watching Aaron play
2: right now. And you, you included this nugget from the leap, I assume that's Peter. That's Peter Bukowski. That's, that right? is Peter Bukowski. Yes, I mean he's pointing out that Romeo Dobbs is, has beaten coverages routinely, uh, and we're still not seeing you know Aaron find him. That the, uh, I mean you could expound on it more if you want, but that's, yeah, that's kind of the long and short of it.
1: That is the long and short of it. That by the advanced metrics, Romeo Dobbs is open pretty much all the time, and um, and he's
0: super open, su- like super he's, duper. He's
1: very obviously open. Yeah, Matt's right. Like uh, so. On on that three and out in the fourth quarter that wasted no time at all. The third the third pass, which was a bomb to Alan Lazard down the right sideline, um, he was the only covered person on the play. Alan Lazard had basically double coverage. And Romeo Dobbs was running a crosser that and got a little pick, and he was just wide open for at least a first down, and he might have housed it. Like he had a good lead on whatever DB was covering him. And that's kind of the story of that game with Dobbs. Like, every time I looked at a deep pass that Aaron missed, especially to Lazard, and there were, like, four of them, Dobbs was usually open in the middle of the field, just just sitting there running his route. And um, I, I, I feel like Aaron will throw to Dobbs, but only if he's, like, a designed play first read. Like, he really doesn't want to go there, but he'll do it if Matt, like, makes him go there. But anytime he's making reads, it's like, okay, Lazard first, or Cobb first. <laughs> Lazard second, and then like you don't get time to get to Dobbs. It's annoying. I, I'm I'm ticked off at him for that too.
2: You know, you mentioned his rushing zero run. Did he really have zero rushes?
0: None. Not a single g dang rush.
2: One of the <laughs>
1: biggest indicators of quarterback decline when like when it's gonna go real bad is. Uh, the wheels come off on the, the mobility, and it's even with slow quarterbacks. Like you even see it with like guys like Philip Rivers, who wasn't a big runner, and uh, and uh, Matt Ryan also not great. Where they their rushing goes from like twenty four a year to zero. Aaron Rodgers has three rushes this year, three total in five games. You know this is a guy we used to r- routinely um, score or pick up first downs with his legs is not running the ball at all. Uh, one of those was a seven yard keeper that got a first down one was a little four yard run that was fine and then a one yard where he couldn't get away from a defensive end and that's it Um, so I'm keeping track of this because he's on pace for like 12 runs on the
2: year (laughs) and it's uh... not good Mm. and uh, that's part of the this fourth and two play for the the two shots on fourth uh, you know with two yards to gain that's part of the part of the equation too is that there just was no sense that Aaron Rodgers could take it himself so that takes one bag you know one possible club out of the bag obviously everybody else believes that they should have hammered it down with either AJ Dillon or Aaron Jones so I know you want to go into that into some depth yeah. so uh, so that's probably a place we should settle
1: I suppose it is um the, the, one of the, the Packers run this very option heavy not triple option but option heavy offense where Aaron has wide latitude at the line of scrimmage to um, either hand it off or pull it back and throw and run RPOs and fun stuff like that. Um, And it it is, first of all, bad that he is not a threat to run because he can't keep it and sprint outside anymore. Um, But there is a problem in this as well, which is typically we think of the offense as sort of dictating to the defense. Like The way I think of offense is you find the weakness, whether it's a bad corner or just a linebacker who doesn't go to the right spot. And you pick on that, and you pick on it, and you pick on it until the defense has to dedicate a different guy to it or double team somebody, and that opens up space elsewhere. And then you then you change on that. The way the Packers run though is that they're very predictable in that Aaron gets into these reads, and if it's a heavy box, he checks to a pass, and if it's not, he hands the ball off. And there's a stat that I think I think it was Zach Cruz had been tracking that entering this game. Aaron Jones ha- didn't have a run against an eight-man boxer more. They were all against seven or lighter. And he had one in this game. I was keeping track now because Zach pointed it out. And that's good, but it also strikes me as like playing poker without bluffing ever. Um, and that makes you predictable. Like You won't win in poker if you just do that all the time. And so we get to this fourth and two play. And the Packers running backs in this game had been... Quite dominant. They both had high yards per carry, and they didn't get stuffed a single time. Neither one of them. The, the shortest carry that either Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon had was two yards. And This was a third and a two and a fourth and a two. The Giants ranked like 30th in run defense in DVOA. I think only the Packers were worse than um, some of the Seattle, probably, because they're awful. Um, and so if you're the Giants, you don't want the Packers to run the ball in this situation. Uh, the odds are overwhelming that the Packers will convert the first down on two carries because you haven't stuffed them literally all game. It's not your forte. So what do they do? They put they put eight guys in the box and an overloaded blitz. And Aaron does what Aaron always does against a heavy box and checks to a pass. And um, that's playing into their hands. They clearly wanted that to happen. And that, so they bring two unguarded rushers in his face. So he's looking directly at them the whole time. And what does he do? He makes his hot route to Alan Lazard, who is frankly not running a real route on the play. He is taking his corner away from the crossing route on the other side that Romeo Dobbs and Randall Cobb are running. <laughs> They're both in single coverage. They run a pick play because that's a good play to run on the line. Dobbs is open. Uh, on this play, on the other side of the line, the other thing that's happening is, is the, the three guys on the left side of the line, I guess it's Bakhtiari, Myers and uh who's the who is it Royster? JRJ. And JRJ and John Runyon Jr., of course. Um, they destroy the left side of the giant line. They have they're singled up one on one. Um, and it's it's very clear by the way, it was very clear the Packers would win that matchup. They'd been winning that matchup all game. AJ Dillon could have waltzed in. Aaron Rodgers could have waltzed in. Throwing to that side of the field would have been an easy touchdown to Romeo Dobbs. Even Randall Cobb, I think, was probably gonna be open, though he wasn't gonna have time to get him the ball. The,
0: also it is worth noting, Myers won his block Boy, so did he hard win it. <laughs> that, Well, it could have been illegal man downfield. Yes, it could have. He blasted this guy how... in the secondary.
1: Oh, my God. And so the Giants just baited him into doing this you know, technically correct but incorrect thing of he checked to a pass in a heavy box. You hear your hot route um, with no safety back there to help. But that's exactly what they wanted him to do and he ended up throwing into the teeth of that defense and getting the 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 ball batted into the air. That happened a lot and, and has happened a lot this year with Aaron checking to plays that the defense wants him to check to because even though, yes, it might be a pass against an eight-man box or a single high safety, they the defense has planned for it. And they want him to, to do that, and they have um, some kind of deception or some kind of blitz that he d- doesn't see coming as a result. Um, Aaron has done this for a lot of his career. And it's been a problem, especially against teams like the 49ers, the Buccaneers. Um, but I think that the book is out a little bit, and you can basically force your hand if you do it right. And the Giants did in this game. They're really smart about how they went about their defense executing against Rodgers, and um, that's why they won. That's why they were able to stymie him in the second half. It's
2: So what is <laughs> – because – as much as Aaron Rodgers has perplexed us with uh, with the person he's become over the last few years, one thing I, I feel like people would still acknowledge that he is a very smart football player. So the inability to adjust to this just seems a little bit out of character for me. I mean, what you're saying is that this has kind of always been the case. Maybe he's just been so good that we haven't really noticed the the way that these decisions have gone and and how predictable they become. But I mean, how is there some disadvantage that we don't understand about why they would continue to choose, you know, letting it ride with Aaron Rodgers when, when you have, like you said, you both you've pointed out three or four different ways that would have been better options than the one they took. Uh, Is there something we're missing that, you know, just I've heard so many people this week say, just, just give the ball to your (laughs) running backs. And I feel like that's so obvious how in the world could, could this very smart man, Aaron Rodgers, and it's very smart coach, Matt LaFleur, not, not go to that. There has to be some. unseen. So think
0: about, Think about Aaron Rodgers from three, four years ago, who hits those one on ones outside the numbers, who can scramble for 10, 15 yards at a time. Basically, if you take away his amazing pinpoint accuracy deep and you take away his ability to extend the play, you're left with what we're looking at now.
1: Mm. I like also this
0: is Rodgers as a mortal.
1: Yep, there's that. And he's smart, but. The other thing about him historically is he's fundamentally cautious. You know, he he really is good at preventing turnovers and not throwing interceptions, and it's kind of against his nature to more or less bluff against a defense that's overplaying on a side because what Rodgers needs to do in that situation is, I think, realize the, the, the overplay there and do something not in his nature, like check to a run against an eight-man box with the understanding that, Dylan will be smart enough to take it to the weak side or um, check to a pass and buy himself enough time for Dobbs to come open on the weak side. One of those two, when that's not in his nature. His nature is, well, it's eight men. I will check. I'll throw my hot route, and that's what I'm supposed to do. Uh, He does do a lot of what he's supposed to do and what sort of the textbook play is. That's why he is so careful with the ball and doesn't throw picks. Um, If you have a more careless Um, uh, frankly, just a dumber quarterback back there, uh, who isn't making as as good of reads. You maybe score on this play because that handoff maybe happens when it technically shouldn't. Um, even though and and scores because it's you know baiting you into that. Um, he is, I think, not the most creative quarterback. Um, he uh, well, uh, here's I was also I was researching for a piece today because. His, the mobility thing doesn't just impact running; it impacts buying time. And I wanted to go back and look at um, how he does on broken plays, and he hasn't done well on broken plays in five years. Uh, I went and found <laughs> yikes. I went and found Football Outsiders um, DVO rankings for route splits, which they run every year for receivers and defenses and quarterbacks. And I expected to see a decline recently in his broken play, um, and. It's really basically since Jordy Nelson left the team, he hasn't been good at broken plays, uh, and I do think some of that is that his, his mobility has been declining a little bit for a while. Not like it has this year, um, but he, he's really not that good at those. He he is he is really good at being precise and avoiding mistakes when he does win on broken plays. They tend to be when there's a penalty, when there's a 12-man on the field or something like that. And they're not your typical broken play. They're you know, a quick audible to a 9 because there's a flag on the play. That's a no-risk play. It's not the same as him running around buying time. So I think it's kind of in his personality to not take risks. And because of that, he's, he's not good at adjusting to situations where the defense is sort of playing him for a fool.
2: How much of it is, you mentioned Jordy Nelson, and obviously this is the first year without Devontae. And when you've got somebody who maybe isn't as good improvisationally as we think he is, I wonder if, you know, if you got to give Devontae more credit than maybe he was given as as the guy who, who could be that, you know, security blanket, but the guy who could most get that aspect of Aaron Rodgers game out of him and Jordy Nelson before that. You know, when he's got guys that are truly elite that he can work with, Maybe maybe that it elicits more of those plays, whereas you can't do that when you got two rookie receivers. Well,
0: stage. Jr, what I can tell you is I tweeted, uh, Aaron Rodgers is a product of Devontae Adams, and I got zero hate for it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's easy to say that now, yeah. I, although although I, I think it's you know it's not not super unfair. Devonte's having a rough time in in Las Vegas, but. You know, it's, I still feel like, you know, it's, it's not hard. It's not like rocket science to say that the offense is missing an element without, you know, not having him. They haven't, they haven't just filled that gap.
1: No, they haven't. And uh, the biggest part of the field Aaron doesn't throw to is depth five, between five and 15 yards downfield. That part of the game has basically just gone away. Uh, And he used to live there and it's weird to not see that. So um, and that's Devante space. That is where Adams is at his best getting that clean release off the line Getting past the sticks and doing a little bit of damage there, and there's not really. I mean, Dob should be that, but he's not yet. So,
2: all right. Before we turn to the defense, uh, just a just an existential question. I mean, we we've touched on this a little bit, but like, is this Packers team is it, is it any good at all? Because yes, <laughs> the, the win against Tampa Bay, Christ. the win against Tampa Bay is good. But, you know, it it came down to the very last second. And And, I mean, that's a good team on the road. Like, that's a good win. I'm not taking that away from them. They were also
1: really, really injured in that game, too. I think think we all agree if Tampa Bay is fully loaded in that game, the Packers don't win it.
2: They went to overtime in a coin flip game against something called Bailey Zappi at home. (laughs) They played piss poor to open the season against Minnesota, and they played the Bears. Come on. So... And, and the Bears win wasn't it, it, overtly did, impressive. Did not, did not cover themselves in glory against the Bears. Right. Yeah. They haven't played a great game this year. I mean, you could argue the defense played a great game against Tampa. That's it. They have not played a good game. Uh, good game is unfair, but they haven't played a great game this year this is a team that we think has Super Bowl aspirations five weeks in, you haven't played a great game. And I no longer know where the floor is after seeing them lose to a Giants team that had none of its bodies available. So do they, do they play, do they lose to the jets? I mean, Oh yeah. I don't My
0: think guy, so. we are about to find the goddamn floor. Yeah. We
2: we might, we might like, we, we were talking about how easy the schedule is for the next foreseeable few weeks going into last week. I don't think it is anymore. I don't know if the Packers are good at all.
1: They might not be good. I think that we should at least entertain the idea that they're not good. Um, they're talented but they have a lot of holes and it it seems like there is a book out there on how to play them and they need to adjust to it and really if Dobbs and Watson don't turn into something whether it's you know they have to be better but Aaron also has to hit throw to them both things need to happen if that doesn't happen it, there's kind of a ceiling on how good the offense can be because like uh, I like Alan Lazard as a stick mover I like Randall Cobb as a savvy veteran but there's nobody to stretch the field there it's you know they're both relatively slow for receivers and it's going to be a, a whole bunch of check downs and missed bombs just like we've seen um if this keeps up so they might not be good it's kind of annoying because i think they have a good talent but um it's uh it's not looking great
0: also throw the ball to aj dillon oh my god
1: uh yeah um, or aaron jones you know i actually ran these numbers today too those two actually are on pace to have more targets than they did last year as a unit. Uh however, they're on pace to have far less receptions because Aaron keeps missing them in the flat. Um their their catch percentages are AJ Dillon caught ninety percent of his his targets last year. This year he's catching 64. That's uh that's a big decline. Um and Aaron Jones is down about ten percent as well. So that that's also just easy yards that Aaron's leaving on the field by missing his running backs who he's trying to throw to. <laughs>
2: All right, we need to talk about the defense because do we have to? We do.
1: We defense. we got so first of all we should we should because we're the Joe Barry is not a good hire podcast. Joe
0: Barry is cheeks. <laughs> he's
1: he's bad. Um, at this point, what? So now he's had a year and a quarter, right? And he Mike Patton had one season where he was twenty ninth in DVOA, and after that he was fifteenth and twenty third. We have yet to be better than twenty second so far with uh, with Joe Barry. What, what like what's he giving you at this point? Like I need to see a little bit better than this out of the guy. And there's just all kinds of bad stuff going on on defense.
0: Um, well, Joe Barry gives you an improved run defense because everyone's busy getting all their yards running deep crossers.
1: But their run defense <laughs> is bad. It's one of the worst <laughs> in the league. This was but, to-
0: but it's not but it's not
1: the worst. <laughs> I mean, it's just barely not the
2: worst. This was so dispiriting because the Giants didn't have any receivers. They lost Saquon, Saquon Barkley for a time, and it, it didn't matter. They couldn't stop anyone. No. Matt, Matt Breida. Matt Breida,
1: or, Breida former 49er. Pretty good, actually. Sure. Yeah,
0: but look, like... Here's the thing the thing about Matt Breida is he owns the Packers, as does Raheem <laughs> Mostert, because they played on the 49ers.
2: Look, that might be. But the fact is, I felt like the Giants could play guys that no one literally had ever heard of, and they would still pick up nine yards on a third and eight. Yep, you know, would. like it just it, it seemed like and and I was I was talking to Paul. I, I don't like the coached argument a lot because it always feels to me like you people say that without having all the information. You know, how do you really know how things were schemed or planned or who called what who's responsible for what, where the breakdowns were, et cetera, et cetera. But like. The Giants were were operating, you know, Daniel Jones was ostensibly injured. A lot of guys were not available, and it, it didn't feel like it mattered at all. I, I mean, mean, at some point, you have to say the coordinating force behind the defense wasn't good enough.
1: Yeah, I, I I think there's so many indicators that that's the case. By the way, I was right there, 30th against the run by DVOA, and the DVOA is 12.4%, meaning they're 12.4% worse than average. Detroit is is worse than them at 12.6. So they're basically the same as Detroit. And then Cleveland is almost incomprehensibly bad against the run. Uh, they're 20.5, not going to catch them. But like n- nobody's worse than the Packers. But I think the biggest indication that there is a coaching problem here is the stat that Mike Renner of PFF found, where the Packers have allowed the second-fewest passing yards in the NFL at 885, but they have allowed the most yards of any defense on crossing routes by a lot at 327. Um, That's almost incomprehensible, especially because one of the reasons they've allowed so, so few passing yards is because their pace is so slow. I mean, we saw it in the Giants game in the second half of the Giants game, each team had three possessions (laughs) and one of the Packer possessions was 26 seconds long. That's, that's incredible. Um, But like, There's this thing that people have learned to do against the Packers and it's week five and Packers haven't figured out how to stop it. And this is how Justin Jefferson had that week one game. Like those were all crossing routes when he was cooking Eric Stokes off the line with inside moves. That's what he was doing. Like that's, that's all it was. And the Packers come out in this zone where they play off and one Wide receiver comes out and runs a post or a fly deep and pulls a guy out, and the Packer linebackers don't get enough drop, and it's just open space, just wide open space. And the Giants are sitting there doing that with Darius Slay and um, like Richie James, a former 49er who once did good work against the Packers too. Um, just crap, just garbage, <laughs> because they can just make the Packer defense go where they want. It's so annoying. And then to, like to be able to not stop the run too against this crappy passing attack that the Giants have, um, it, it's just very disheartening. Like, the the Packer defense should have absolutely dominated this game in the same way they should have against Bailey Zappi and all the other crap they've played. Like, they should have been able to gang up on the run and not get beaten by Saquon Barkley and play just man-to-man on garbage receivers, and instead they play a soft zone that they can't stop anybody, and then they get gashed by the running game once it's set up by the pass. Like, I, I don't know if Joe Barry hasn't figured this out by now how, how he's going to figure it out going forward. Like what do you have to do? Like pull him aside and yell at him, like knock it off, play man. I don't think Matt LaFleur is going to do that. It's, uh, it's very alarming. Um, it's only part of the alarming though. (laughs) The other part is so many guys have gotten worse under him.
2: Yeah. I I was going to say like Darnell Savage, Devondre Campbell and Eric Stokes just off the top of my head are three guys that It just doesn't seem like they're as good as they were last year. Yeah,
1: it doesn't. Razul Douglas doesn't really seem to be either. I think part of that's... Did you say him? I'm sorry if you did. I was... No, I didn't. But,
2: I mean, (laughs) like, he's moved around a lot. And, and, uh, you know, again, like, last year, I don't know if he was just kind of a little bit lucky with the number of interceptions he had. But, like, also, you know, he has been moved around a
1: lot. I also think he's he really is an outside guy. And I don't think after seeing him now in the slot quite a bit... I don't think he should be there. Jair should be in the slot. Like Jair is a prototypical slot corner. I know he can play outside, too. And I, I think that they do have a, a little bit of a problem of Jair maybe not wanting to play in the slot because it's not the glory position. But Douglas can't play there, and Stokes definitely can't. So that's a problem, too. But all these guys getting worse is just not a good sign for your coaching staff. Um, Some, some regression from Campbell and Douglas... Is totally fine and acceptable. But Campbell's gone from like the best linebacker in the league to one of the worst. And you can't have that. Like regression to the mean is supposed to take you to average, not supposed <laughs> to take you from one side to the other. Um, and then Savage is just like he hasn't developed at all. He seems to get worse every week. He was, by the way, their lowest PFF graded player this week and deserves every bit of that grade. He, uh, he missed, he's responsible for most of Saquon Barkley's yards. Uh, he just missed guys in and out all over the place and he just doesn't seem to know what his assignment is on any given play it's uh it's pretty inexcusable at this point point. and it like yeah it the guys have to execute but coaches have to be able telling these guys where they are and put them in the position to succeed and they just don't and like letting Royce Newman back out there on the line and letting Dean Lowry back out there on the defensive line and get gashed over and over again like gotta have some accountability you got some backups you can put in there you can put um you can put Wyatt you can put. Um, like Slayton, you have other people you can play. <laughs> this is
0: this is another week where we're like, why isn't Wyatt playing more? Like, why does yes. Dan Lowry continue to exist? Yes,
1: correct. Like, there's no reason for this at that point. W- what is the point? Uh, um, uh, 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 is making him happy? Like, he sucks. He's bad. Get him off the field. You don't need to be doing this.
2: Before history is written, Orr, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever.
0: The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
2: Why it wasn't active this week, and I believe he had some injury designation during the week. I have no idea. He maybe could have been healthy and active, but just just that note for this week is that why it wasn't available.
1: I think yeah, you're right about that. I believe I think T.J. Slayton was available and actually played a bit in this game too.
2: Oh uh, yeah, T.J. Slayton, had a good game and was pretty good. Yeah,
1: T.J. Slayton
0: was was quite good.
1: Yes, yes. all the more reason to um, not have Dean Lowry out there.
2: It also seems like Alexander and Stokes, like they they can't. They, they should be playing man, right? Stokes, because I'm not sure he can do the zone. And Alexander, just because that's where his strengths lie. Yes. I'm not even positive Rasul Douglas is a man guy. He's probably, I think, right, more of a zone guy. So, and I'm not even sure what Savage is at this point. So <laughs> there, might be a, there might be a little mismatch in the personnel either way, any way you slice it. With with guys that are stronger in different different areas, I think
1: Douglas is more of a zone guy, but I think he can play man well enough, especially if he is the second corner. And Alexander and Stokes are they should be playing man like they they have full stop yeah full stop. It's it's dumb to play anything else with them um, zones. You know guarding space. It's it's easy to to beat space. Uh, people know they're zone beaters. There's ways to do it correctly, but not with the packer personnel. This is. The personnel here is is a man team, and not doing it is ridiculous. And they just get, they let themselves get just taken down the field over and over again, no matter how bad the offense is. It's brutal. I'm, I'm sick of Joe Barry. And um, I mentioned this, I think, in a tweet, maybe even on the pod last week, but. Um, when they hired Joe Barry, we went over all the candidates on this podcast, and um, we there was not the book on a lot. Like they, We talked about Wade Phillips because we, we know Wade Phillips. There is a book on Wade Phillips, <laughs> but one of their other candidates was Ajiro Evero, um, who they did not hire. Um, but Nathaniel Hackett this year did hire him to be the defensive coordinator in Denver. Um, Denver and the Packers were functionally the same in DVO and defense last year. They were both around 22nd. Um, Denver, as it currently stands, is fifth in DVOA right. on defense. Great. They, their offense is a mess, and Nathaniel Hackett has done a poor job over there. Russell Wilson looks like he might be toast. Um, but that defense is good, uh, despite that offense not helping it at all. And uh, I just wonder, like hiring Matt LaFleur's buddy instead of taking a chance on a lesser-known guy, I think really burned them. I, I think that that's going to haunt them for a while.
2: And to rehash how we discussed that, it's not like we thought Avira was this, you know this this mastermind we knew nothing about yes him, correct. but we thought a fresh take would be better than joe barry who has had no success wherever yeah, he's been he's failed everywhere That's... and we talked last year about how sometimes the nepotism works for him because okay he's had so many chances figure some stuff out but then as the year went on kind of quietly that defense backslid a little bit it and became below average again so now now the track record is I mean, loud and clear on Joe Barry, right? Whereas if you would tried something a little different, it probably would have paid better dividends.
1: And, uh, you know, this is hindsight 2020, but uh, Evero must have impressed Hackett in his interviews to have had it stick in his head and, um, you know, go seek him out when he needed a DC. So it's it's one of those situations where he must have impressed somebody uh, enough to maybe be hired. But alas, it, it's it's not good. Um, I don't... It's hard to be optimistic. You know, it's, NFL's weird. People... Teams bounce up and down and back and forth pretty quickly. Maybe the light goes on for them at some point in the not-too-distant future. Um, but uh, it's it's really, given how bad the schedule has been and how badly they've played against it, it's really hard to be optimistic at the moment about anything about the Packers. It's, it's pr- pretty brutal. I
2: mean, you pointed out the 2018 defense... Uh, when you were comparing it to Petten's. Was that Petten's best year?
1: That is Petten's best year, the 15th rank. I mean,
2: the names on this team, Josh Jones, Kentrell Bryce, Josh Jackson, Kyler Fackrell, uh, a, a depreciating Clay Matthews, Kevin King, haha, ha Clinton Dix, yeah, that, that defense did better than this defense. That's that's a problem. That's well bad.
1: Everybody on that list that you just read was in their top eleven defensive players in snaps that year. That's why I picked them all. And are any of them
2: <laughs> in the league still? Just Josh, <laughs> I know back row Josh
1: Jackson, I think, is in the league still. I think uh, yes, surprisingly,
0: is in the league. Just saw I him
2: think, the other day. I think Josh Jones got cut in camp. Uh, Kevin King disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah,
1: he's not anywhere. Haha's gone too. I think.
2: Yeah, Um that was in 2018. That was not that long ago. Yeah, And uh they're a better defense than this one. And that's this defense has freaking Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark up front. And a first-team All-Pro ostensibly linebacker in the middle of it and a first-team ca- caliber All-Pro cornerback. I don't understand what's going on here. That's bad, 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 bad.
1: Yeah, and we all felt better about their defense last year. But by metrics, it did not perform that well. I think that's... Yeah, like some of this is a little bit hindsight, but, um, when I do the baseball pot every year, we we always talk about the Dakota projections. Uh, and this kind of reminds me of Keston Hira, where he had, for those of you who don't know baseball, uh, he was a Brewer prospect. He had good power, but he couldn't, he's not going to make a contact and you sort of have this minimum amount of contact you need to make in the majors to be good. He had a good year, by the way, he really did. Um, but, uh, Pacota always sees that and always protection projects him lower than people I think would like to project him. And it's almost always right. And I think this is a DVOA maybe seeing uh, your defensive coordinator is not getting uh, the most from the parts he has to work with here. Um, they are the 22nd best defense and individually, some of these guys are ranked really highly and they're not as, as you know, as a unit producing effective defense and we're really seeing it this year. It's, it's rough. They, like I, I, last year we were advocating for the firing of Maurice Drayton for about halfway through the season. Um, I've had enough of Joe Barry. I know they won't fire him probably during the season at all. But uh, I, I think this is a problem that you probably only fix by getting rid of him. And if they don't, it'll probably be a problem all season. So uh, not I great. feel
2: like we're at the same place we were last year. And specialty, te- more, more so. Because yeah. special teams with, with Mo Drayton there, we said this. It's not working. It's going to cost them. I was spe- I was skeptical that it would actually cost them. <laughs> it actually cost it them. It did, and they have brought in somebody else who clearly seems to be making a difference. Five games in, they spent extra money to get the best guy on the on the market. Now, this would be a you know that that would almost be a point in the corner of take the guy with the most experience. And it feels like maybe that was part of the Joe Barry hire that yeah. they, that Matt LaFleur maybe was just as a young coach was worried about getting guys that just didn't have that experience. Uh, but, uh, but it sure feels like again, moving on midseason would actually seem to be a benefit, even though I think it's very, very unlikely that it happens.
0: Wade Phillips and Vic Fangio are just sitting on the couches right? and
2: Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is available. There's
1: a lot yeah. of guys you could actually hire because there's a lot, a lot of guys that were like, go from head coaching positions. I mean, Mike
2: Zimmer is Rich Pasaccia, a former head coach who is regarded as one of the best defensive, you know, at his task and his craft in football. The
0: the problem with Mike Zimmer is it would be a completely different, yeah, like system. But but you could get Vic Fangio in to be Vic Fangio instead of someone who copied his homework.
1: You could do that. Vic
2: Fangio have a job? I thought he has a job. Vic Fangio, he's he's, somewhere. Yeah,
0: he's doing the Mike Petten consultant thing.
2: I mean, can you just sign a guy off the street like that? You probably can't. Are There's probably
1: some some deal against that. Uh, I know that Zimmer runs a totally different scheme and get that, but um, I would maybe look at that anyway because I don't care for this scheme. It seems yeah, it seems bad. I'm not even sure I want like Fagio's. Obviously, a better coach um, than Joe Barry is, but I, I wouldn't even mind mid season going a different direction. It might pay big dividends down the stretch and. I, the one thing I know is that Mike Zimmer Rick and coach defense. Vic Pongio is almost always a good defensive coordinator, but not always. Every once in a while, he's got a down year.
2: Ugh. All right, looking ahead. Packers are going to lose to the Jets. They are going to lose to
1: the yeah. Jets. I agree with Coastal that. Goes. I'm picking them. Um, I, if just a preview <laughs> of what will be on the mini pod here, but um, Aaron Rodgers, we've t- at the top of the podcast talk, is having trouble throwing outside uh, You know, and down the field outside, but outside, generally speaking. And... Uh, So he has to do all his damage in the middle of the field. One thing that every team that they've played so far has in common is an outstanding DVOA against receivers in the middle of the field. It's very, very, very annoying. Um, The Giants were ninth in it. The Patriots were 10th in it. The Buccaneers were 3rd in it. And the Jets right here are the best team against it. They rank number one against uh, basically slot receivers and midfield receivers. So... This this just doesn't look good to me from that perspective. And then you've got Brees Hall, who's a good running back, a, a rookie who can do a lot of damage against the worst running team or the 30th best run defense in the league. Um, and Zach Wilson, I don't think is terribly good, but I think he's better than Daniel Jones is and Bailey Zappi and all the other trash that they faced. So, like... If they don't learn anything, they're going to lose this game in the exact same way that they lost the last game and almost lost to the Patriots. I, I, I'm i very, very down on them for
2: this game. I'm totally picking the Jets in this game. I think having Brees and Sauce should be should matter. That should be some sort of... A, <laughs> that should be something. I don't know what it is, but it's something.
0: Also, it's worth noting the line right now is Packers minus 7.
2: Yeah, I think the Jets are still a brand that people won't buy into for at any cost. Yep. Similar to how people think the Patriots are still good. I I, don't, I feel like the Jets are just going to be branded that way for a while. I
0: mean, the, the Patriots did just dog walk the
1: Lions. <laughs> well, it's the Lions. And, and uh, the Patriots' defense is good. Their, their offense is just a work in progress to be um, as generous as possible. But the Jets are like the same 3-2 and two that the Packers are. They're... <laughs> There is nothing about them that is, you know, worse than the Packers. Their offensive coordinator is. We should we should mention who the Jets' offensive coordinator is. Um, it is, of course, Mike Lefleur because we do <laughs> we do love our nepotism in the league, and so uh, the offense they run is very similar to the offense we run. Um, super, yes, isn't it super? And uh, they've been better since they got Zach Wilson back. They started Joe Flacco for the first couple games of the year and he was a trash fire because he's Joe Flacco. And um they have been quite a bit better lately. And and so their numbers are even dragged down a little bit by Flacco time. Um they're they're a little bit
0: better <laughs> It's Flacco that. time. Yeah.
2: You uh you pointed out here on the on the rundown they're number one against slot receivers. That puts them on par better than teams like the Giants, Patriots, and Buccaneers who are all very good against slot receivers. Yes, which seems to portend that the offense will again struggle because yes. the middle of the field is going to be taken away a little bit,
1: yeah. this plays exactly against the Packers strengths. Um, their one strength on offense passing the ball. They will have trouble doing it. it's 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 a bad matchup for them. I hate it. It's terrible. <laughs> Thanks, I hate it. Alright,
2: well, we hate the last game, we hate the next one Let's take some questions and talk about it, right?
1: Let's do it, we have so many questions Thank you for yeah, all we, the
2: questions Yeah, we're going to have to skip some Twitter questions today Sorry about that, but uh, our Patreon we, we got so many questions from our patrons You get question priority, and today that means You get your question read, and not so much anyone else We'll start with Patrick Detmer What is a shallow and deep crosser? And once you tell me, can you please forward that information To the Packers? <laughs> to- <laughs> Um, Also, after looking at the Packers 3-and-out after the Giants tied the game, it appeared that New York begged Rodgers to play hero ball by giving him one-on-one matches with Cobb and Lazard. Is it crazy to think defenses might do this late in the game moving forward if Rodgers continues to struggle with his accuracy downfield?
1: Uh, The second bar first, no, it's not crazy at all. I think think you're exactly right. The, The Packers, especially without Watson, don't have the horses to run those deep passes very well. And uh, I do think they baited him into a couple of them on that drive. So, yeah, uh, I think it's been a big problem for the Packers generally being suckered into doing things they're not good at. And, uh, yeah, shallow and deep crossers are... You know, just what they sound like. <laughs> yeah. You know, for shallow, you run forward, you turn inside, you run inside, usually with a little slant to that motion. Sometimes you run mesh and screen off people. Um, but it, thats that's. I know you're kind of kidding on that question, but yes.
0: Sometimes there's a collision in the low crossers.
1: Yes.
2: Oh, oh, Devonte Hunter Renfro, my friends. That was awesome. It really was what just, something.
1: What, it's also the name of the book. Yes.
0: But, yeah, that's it, it's because we're playing the Jets. Yep which is so a book a book. <laughs> all <laughs> we, right.
1: Yes. We talk about collision low crossers all the time because it's mainly about Wisconsin people, but it's also about the jets
2: and now about the Raiders. Yes, PJ Wessels asks, no turnovers this game to point the finger at for shutting down the offense. What was it this time?
0: Really? So in other
2: words, the, the, there were no, the offense didn't give the ball away. They just saw, uh,
0: but, I mean, the offense went three and out there. Let's just call it that.
1: Yeah. The, the So the offense wasn't too bad in the first half. They they put a couple of drives together, and they were okay. Uh, they ran the ball a lot more. The second half, the Giants made good adjustments um, and really decided to take the Packers' run game away through run blitzing. Uh, a lot of it was run blitzing plus trusting their guys on the outside to be able to cover Lazard and Cobb if they got to, in Rodgers' face quickly. They also put a few of their edge guys—they were down a lot of edge guys, so— um, they started putting edge guys over Rice Newman with some regularity. Uh, Rice had four pressures allowed up the gut, uh, often on third down, and those adjustments worked worked wonders. They were, they were magic, and the Packers didn't adjust back. They didn't adjust by running into heavier boxes or, um, honestly, just using Romeo Dobbs on crossers, <laughs> and that's really it. Uh, the Giants adjusted. The Packers didn't adjust because they almost never do. And that shut down the offense.
2: And that's really what happened. Talk about the theme of the year. How many times have they started out guns a blazing only to sort of Peter out? They're like one of those wind up cars that goes fast, 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 fast. And then runs out of gas right away. The, uh, they're the like a three-year-old back. With, I was going
0: to say three-year-old with a whole bunch of sugar. Yep. Yeah.
2: Well, that too, that too. Um All right. Matthew Van Hoovelland asks, what changes should the Packers make defensively? And what can realistically be expected? <laughs>
1: They should go to they should play uh, they should be a base man team. They they really yes. should. It would change a lot of um just how they do things if they made that their base. I I think it would help Savage too, who I th- my conclusion on him is that he's just not very smart and I don't like imputing people's intelligence. Maybe smart like off the field guy, I have no idea, but he he's not where he's supposed to be a lot of the time. And I think if you just let Amos like patrol the back and let Savage be a freelancer, a missile, like go after the ball that it would, be, it would work out a lot better. I really think that's his forte. He did a lot of that in college. Like, he is fast, he can hit hard, and he is, uh, he's good with his anticipation when he's allowed to read the ball. It's just that when you make him have to stay in an area um, and, and guard an area and pass people off properly, he struggles with it. So um, if you kind of make him a man safety versus a zone safety, I think that helps him a lot too. Uh, there's other problems, but I think that would go a long way towards starting to fix things. Also, get Lowry off the field. Like, make him <laughs> yeah. make him a third down specialist. Yeah, he, he can still rush the passer, but he doesn't need to be out there for first and second down or in you know short situations on third down. It, he just he's worthless. There's no reason to have him out there.
2: Yeah, they really need Devonte Wyatt to to be a guy. Yeah, to be to be a first and second down guy. Uh, Matthew Van Benhuvelin then asks again, you're you'll. Uh, here's a different one. The top three most concerning individual performances on defense and likelihood each turns it around. I would imagine Savage is at the top.
1: <laughs> I think Savage is at the top, and I'm not very optimistic on him turning it around. I'd say like 20%. If they change things, if they change his role, I think he can be useful. I
2: just don't think they will. Uh, it's true for Stokes, too. If they just go man, you're probably you're going to be just using his speed.
1: Yeah. Stokes has played well in spurts, um, but he he also struggles with sort of uh, I mean, he's young it's not always intuitive in zone who you're supposed to pick up who you're supposed to let go by angles and things like that I'd rather just run with people but he's been okay Campbell's probably the next most concerning because yeah, such, a that'll, huge, that'll be mine. Yeah, such a huge drop off from last year um, um, I think he'll be okay I think he will start to turn it around I'm not entirely sure what's wrong. Justice put a tape of him today uh, in the Acme Packing Company Slack that made us think maybe he won't turn it around because it was pretty ugly. <laughs> but um, he even when he before his stardom, when he was a linebacker for other teams, he was like an average linebacker. He was never the worst linebacker in football, and that's what he's playing like right now. So I think he'll be. I think he will. He will rebound. Um, so those two Lowry's Quay Walker, Quay Walker, too. well, Quay Walker will probably get better. I think that's just first year jitters. I mean, the coaching sucks. So maybe not, but um, yeah, he, he's also been quite bad. Lowry's not going to get better. He just sucks.
2: <laughs> Dr. Hillbilly says, uh, is Matt LaFleur bad at hiring coordinators? I say, yes. <laughs> so my follow-up question is <laughs> how many bad hires can he make before the attention turns to him? So are we have to go? we Mike, And Joe Barry. The jury's out on Adam Stitch and Hackett will be lucky to make it to year two in Denver. Rich Bisaccia looks like a win. I don't know if this jury's out on Adam Stenovich. I mean, he had a really, really yeah. great year last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I realize that's not everything. Stenovich might I, just
1: to be more kind of a Peter principal thing, you know, where yeah, you, you get promoted until you're no longer good at your job because he's definitely a good offensive line coach. And honestly, like Matt LaFleur calls the offense to the extent. Uh, it's not the offensive coordinator's fault when the Packers offense isn't good. It's, it's Mike it's yeah. Lafleur's fault. Um, <laughs> it's
0: Mike McCarthy's fault. Yeah, it's it's, it's also his
1: fault. Um,
2: well, and I, and I go back to what I said earlier, when you're a brand new coach, I, I got to, the instinct is to hire people who have a lot of experience around you because you know, the it's also hard to sell to a team of football players when you, when it's all like young upstarts, we're going to, we're going to all come in all the same, you know, experience level, change the culture. Like, I feel like you gotta have some of that gravitas, so I don't even blame him for those hires. But now year four, it might be time to bring in somebody who's a little bit more outside the box. You can do that. You have you have your own cachet now.
1: Yeah, and I know it's speculation, but I do think that the the Joe Barry hire might have been just a second best hire after Jim Leonard too. I do think all speculation is that they thought they were going to get him and that they had to scramble a little bit when they didn't. So, I mean, they didn't. They, they, they did not execute that properly, and Joe Barry sucks. So it's it's not great. I, I do think he should have some scrutiny on him at this point because there, there is a lot of messiness out on the field. That's head coach stuff. That's not just coordinator stuff. So I think it's starting to come back to, to Matt right now a little bit, and that's probably warranted.
2: Mark Pat asks, I know you talk about how turnovers and specific can vary from year to year and are not always sustainable for a defense. Is that also true for fumbles? Do these correlate year to year, or are they also sort of random?
1: So uh, a, a fun one, fumbles occurring um, are mostly random. There are some defensive players who are good at punching it out, like Peanut Tillman was. There are players who fumble a lot um, on offense, uh, usually small-handed quarterbacks like Dave Craig famously who had teeny tiny hands? I think he—he's either first or second all time in the NFL in fumbles. So they're—they're they're not totally random when they happen. Um, there are some traits that lead to fumbles, but they're mostly—they're mostly random when they happen. Um, and the people recovery of fumbles is totally random, and it's a huge regression stat. It's actually one of the things that outsiders uh, weights most f- heavily in their season to season projections. If a team. Uh, does not recover a lot of fumbles one year. They tend to regress to the mean quite heavily the next year, and fumbles are huge plays, so it it really does swing for teams. Right now, I think the Browns um, have fumbled 10 times and recovered 2 as of right now and and are leading the league in in sort of fumble wackiness, Um, so something to keep an eye on there. But yeah, fumbles are mostly random events, and uh, they really do change a team's fortune from year to year.
0: I would like to subscribe to an advanced statistic called fumble wackiness.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's what they should
2: call it. All right. Jay Google says, would well, the Packers have the exact same record if Jordan Love was a starting quarterback instead of Rodgers? I mean, they have faced the likes of Fields, Zappi, and Jones. I would I would add on to this personally. Like, There there was a throw in this game to Randall Cobb that was truly special. Uh, that was truly an Aaron Rodgers throw over the middle. Uh, that I, I think it might have, I'm sure it was up or down because it was Randall Cobb, but of many other throws this year that are truly special, truly Aaron Rodgers throws. There were so many short passes early in the season when the line was still rounding into health. I I think it probably is the same record with Jordan Love.
1: I I asked this in in the old Slack too, just to get a a poll of it. And um, everybody who answered was like, no, they'd be worse. They'd be like one in four. Um, A lot of people really, really down on Jordan Love. I kind of think they'd be about the same. Uh, I'm with you on that because they, when they have won, it hasn't really been because of Aaron Rodgers much. Uh, he hasn't been. He's had some games that were like he's been okay. But if you did have Jordan Love and then treat him like, uh, well, call him a rookie even though he's not a rookie, and lean on the run a little bit more, and you know run a little bit more of uh, just uh, schemed plays for him versus freelance plays. And chemistry with the rookies, I think maybe you do get this done and have about the same record. So I will disagree with my colleagues and say, yeah, I think they do. And that's not really an an endorsement of love as much as it is uh, a rip on Aaron, who I don't think has been very good.
2: Yeah, I mean, that Tampa game was two touchdowns. They won it because of the defense. Yeah. The the Bears game, I feel like Jordan Love could have muddled through and and pulled that off. Like Love
1: is not great at taking care of the ball; he, he throws interceptions and stuff. But Aaron hasn't been
2: either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, maybe, maybe the Patriots game goes the other way. That it probably does. Yeah, but but then again, with this Giants game, with Aaron's decision making so rough at the end, I feel like maybe they win the Giants game. So I, I, I don't know. I, it's interesting. All right, old man on a bike in Shirlington. I'm just an old man on a bike. I, Every time. I love the bit. Every but time. I think Amari showed some real improvement. When he coughed the ball up in the first quarter, punt return, at least he fumbled it forward. <laughs> However, that's not a question. <laughs> my question relates to VR, as I have my eye on NFL Pro era. Has anyone played this oh, game? Oh, Matt. How so highly would you recommend Matt, it? He's all just you. an old man oh on a bike. This is,
0: this, he's just, like, rocking all the bits. Uh, oh, yeah. God. Okay, I'm still trying to slodge my way through a season in that horrible piece of crap of a game. Um,
2: this is like when I hate a TV show, but I'm still watching the night it comes on, you know? <laughs> yep.
0: Um, what did I get? Oh, the uh, I got up to the Titans game, and I was up 35 to 7 with 30 seconds left, and I ran outside the pocket and got tackled, and then... No, there was a minute 30 seconds left. The play clock was not counting down, but the clock kept counting down. I couldn't call a timeout. The play never officially ended. Um, I had to end up backing out and then lost the progress of that game.
1: How how, how not infuriating at all?
0: This is this <laughs> is immediately after a one point five gigabyte patch was installed in a game that is five gigabytes.
1: That game is only five gigs.
0: Yeah, most VR games are pretty small.
1: Really? That's insane. Yeah. I feel well, was- okay.
0: Think about think about it this way: an Oculus Quest <laughs> we is put the exact sleep, <laughs> yeah. An Oculus Quest is the exact thing, same nerds. specifications. I'll be over here. <laughs> it's the exact same specifications as a Samsung Galaxy S twenty smartphone. Okay, okay, okay. You are playing a mobile game, a very fancy mobile but it, game.
1: But it has to render so wide a space. I guess is why I thought it would be bigger. It's,
0: but it's it's not. It's there's it's uh, two squares. Uh, you're you're essentially right. dual screening of four x three. It's it's really cool the way they they do it. But anyway, the game's bad. It continues to be bad. <laughs> all right. And th- they keep talking about how there's going to be a PC version. And I think that when you can actually run it on some hardware, it'll be better and less buggy. Um, but God, so, it's so bad.
1: All right. So terrible. Not highly recommended at all.
0: I highly recommend staying away from it.
2: Uh, I wonder if Amari Rogers gets cut if Christian Watson doesn't hurt his hamstring. I mean, they, ha- they have nope. to get somebody else to return punts because it's not going to be Watson. But I don't know what Amari Rodgers does here.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's getting tight for him. I think he writing's on the wall for Amari a little bit.
0: <laughs> At least he fumbled it forward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's
2: so good. Uh, Joel Osmond says, are the Packers the most expensive team salary-wise to be performing this poorly? That said, who is looking most expendable? I feel like Jones over Bakhtiari is a legit take. I think that means keeping Jones over Bakhtiari? I think probably, but
1: isn't Bakhtiari unmovable? Um, he is. That's what I thought. So,
2: Also, aren't all
0: teams expensive? What, yeah, what I mean, mean? this
1: is a salary cap league. This isn't baseball where people are cheap. There's a difference, um, obviously, yes, but the Packers are uh, a high-spending team, so yes, they probably are one of the most disappointing high-spending teams. Um, but like in terms of expendable, like Bakhtiari... Even though he has been, it's been a weird season for Bakhtiari. He's good when he's in there. He gets paid a lot. He's unmovable. And even if he was expendable, they can't get rid of him anyway. Jones is not expendable, and I don't even like paying running backs. He gets super expensive next year. You can't keep him at that salary next year. But like, he's he's like the whole offense. <laughs> he's averaging.
0: Yeah. Well, next year we're going to be watching uh, Aaron Rodgers miss Kylan Hill in the flat.
1: That is exactly
2: correct. In-
0: Instead of Aaron Jones. That's what's going to
2: happen. Oh, Jesus. Chris Richards <laughs> says, is a pivot in defensive tactics advisable or even possible at this point in the season? Perhaps the personnel is to the way Barry wants to play. So maybe a different approach. For example, more attacking, fewer soft zone cover, fewer soft zone cover eagles would better use the skills and talents of the players they have. We, we did kind of talk about this earlier.
1: Yeah.
0: It is advisable. It is possible. It should be done. And I wish Joe Barry would freak all the way off.
1: Yeah, there are some defenses. Like, Bill Belichick's defense is completely different week to week. They have base concepts, but they, they change their scheme up almost entirely based on the strengths of their opponent. And guys that go out there and just run the same crap every week and tell their guys to execute it properly are, frankly, kind of bad coaches.
2: All right. Danny that... Noonan, one of our most beloved patrons, are the Packers terrible enough that they would have lost even if they actually were playing a team from England. <laughs> Expertly riffing on his question from last week. Indeed. Uh, uh, they are not. I, they would have beaten a team from England. Yes, they would Well have.
0: this is this is when the college people would go like, you know, but ranked U of M in Appalachian State.
1: Yeah, but that's silly. So no.
2: Speaking of Do you teams... think
0: Appalachian State could beat a team from England?
2: Yes, I do. <laughs> it does. It does have that name. Speaking of teams from England, it is fascinating to me how that stadium is built. The artificial NFL turf is always there, living underneath the soccer playing surface, the actual football playing surface, which is real grass, and divides into, I believe, three different segments and kind of rolls up behind the stands in these like storage compartments. <laughs> so is it like? Is it like That's University
0: awesome. of Phoenix Stadium?
2: I maybe. I, I don't know the structure of that one at all, but. This is the first uh, first stadium so, built outside the United States, or I should say in uh, outside of this continent that has football in mind at all. And it's a really fascinating setup. Huh.
1: I did not know that. Now I want to see it, what it looks like when it's rolled up.
0: I'm- well, So there's there's a video of the Cardinal Stadium being converted to and from football. And it's very interesting how they like cart sheets of, of yeah. grass out. It's got to be similar, right?
2: I would think so. Yeah, I would. I'm sure. But the the technology here is just high level stuff. It's it's crazy. All right, Tom. Haight. Hey says, what is Aaron Rodgers going to be for Halloween? Oh, God. I assume that's the reason for his hairstyle, or he is just setting us up for some other con-air style bit. What does it seem like the Packers... Why does it seem like the Packers get outplayed in every second half? Is the <laughs> coaching staff <laughs> capable of adjusting, or is the game plan on both sides of the ball easy to figure out? Yes. George and Horst, that one. I really feel like Halloween is the one we should address. I here. agree
1: with that. Well, h-
0: hang on a second. Okay, That question was exactly like Aaron Rodgers in the first and second half. <laughs> Yes. he's he's very quirky and fun and you're going along with it and then all of a sudden there's this hard turn into the serious and it's not fun anymore
2: i think one of these years he's going to shave all his hair and go as the dalai lama for halloween and that is going to be a whole thing i like hey, it.
0: it jr have you heard my dalai lama joke
2: uh, i can't begin to tell you how little i want to hear it <laughs> but tell me anyway matub
0: so dalai lama walks into a pizza shop uh-huh. Says, can you make me one with everything?
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's pretty good. It's, it's pretty it's good. It's fine. Bill Robbie asks, Aaron Rodgers has gotten old, but he won't admit that they, that he has gotten old and that there are many plays that he no longer can make. At this point, he is the wrong person to have the option on an yeah. RPO. This new contract was a mistake.
0: Well, wow, Bill, are, are you Paul from an hour ago? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not not a question technically, but it is weird that they run... So usually he has the handoff option, but they do still run the plays where he has the keeper option, and they should just get rid of those from the playbook because nobody's buying that anymore. It doesn't work. Here's,
0: here's the thing, though. So this is my half-joking, not really joking. All right. Um, the way that quarterbacks are currently being treated and the fact that uh, DPI is still supposed to be our wide receiver too why not make aaron keep it and make the zebras throw flags every time someone looks at him funny on an option
2: uh, i think they they need receivers that are a little better like Devontae yeah. adams was at it, at making dpi happen out of thin air
0: yeah right but what i'm saying is is use use roughing the passer or unnecessary roughness on quarterbacks as part of your offense
2: i mean isn't that wouldn't that be happening as it is they get the he doesn't take the sacks. He gets the ball out as quickly. Just, as just possible. make
0: him run. Just make him run. Just say, uh, Aaron, okay. you're you running this one.
2: Can, can <laughs> I make a Halloween
1: uh guess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My Halloween guess would be um Eddie from Stranger Things.
2: Oh yes.
0: Oh. oh, my Halloween guess is someone from Peaky Blinders.
2: Uh merging the two, the guy who played Eddie is from England. So uh which which <laughs> threw me off quite a bit. I did not know that. I, he's I think he's been in yeah. like some some period style dramas and such. Wow! Uh, I think
0: he was also a stage actor.
2: I mean, that makes perfect sense. Uh, Wild stuff. Didn't, didn't see that coming. Uh, Ryan Ziegler. I joined Patreon to just stop screaming into the void. (laughs) uh, Thanks Ryan. Welcome aboard. That's uh, a momentic
0: on, on Twitter regular Twitter questioner.
2: When is Matt LaFleur going to actually take control of the team and stop trying to be friends with Aaron? This is not a playoff caliber team at current. and does not look to be getting better. Jones and Jones and Dylan both said they'd have made the line to gain. Why is Aaron being allowed to get a free pass based on his history? He's clearly gone into hysteria. And at this point, the only way to get him out of it appears to resurrect Leslie Nielsen and line up a whole group of people to smack him around. (laughs)
1: Um, (laughs) That is an airplane reference for those of you younger than me.
2: It's true. I, I mean, I honestly think Matt Lafleur is just a really noble guy and will constantly fall on his sword for Aaron when Aaron makes poor decisions in these RPOs, particularly. And also, I, I, if I had my, if I had to guess, I would say that Matt Lafleur is not buddies with Aaron. Hutcherson. Yeah, no kidding. Can't wait till he's gone. Yep. Quite honestly,
1: with but he also that.
2: knows that's what you need to win. You need a supposedly a star quarterback.
1: And Aaron's always gonna have Leeway out there. I mean he first of all, he's out there, so he can do whatever he wants. You know, there's only so much yelling you can do at Aaron Rodgers and short of benching him, that's not gonna matter. And Matt can like show him things and try and teach him, you know, oh maybe you should have done with this, but like that's all you got. Until he's gone. He can he can freelance and do his thing and nothing you can do about it.
2: Yeah, I I know Matt LaFleur is taking some some shots here, but I still really like him as a coach, and I feel like the yep. at some point he is going to move past Aaron Rodgers, some point soon in the uh, franchise power rankings, the beloved power rankings, and he will have the sway, the the, the ability to, to say, I either need Aaron Rodgers to do what I want him to do or I don't want him on my team anymore. Uh, Tim Brown says, where do you lay most of the blame on this failure? Joe Barry, the players on defense, Aaron Rodgers or Matt LaFleur? All right, who gets your anti-game ball? <laughs> Oh,
1: anti-game ball. Um, Aaron was pretty bad. Aaron
0: was pretty bad.
1: Joe Barry was pretty bad too, though. It's tough to pick one or the other.
2: Um, mm, don't you have to go with Matt Lafleur then, since he is the all-encompassing? Uh, I don't know.
1: Yeah, well, that's a good good case for everybody. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go with Aaron. Um, I don't like this game. <laughs> Aaron left. Uh, Joe Barry. Um, was bad and got eaten alive on crossers, um, but I do feel like Aaron could have won the game with just a few more accurate throws, making some stuff out in the flats, uh, things that we've seen him do a million times in the past, and and just didn't execute here. Uh, this is part of an this is an expectations problem. Joe Barry sucks and we know it. Aaron just sucks recently, and uh, I feel like he could have done this. He could have won this game with just a slightly better execution
2: they win this game on if they execute that two you know fourth and two third and two yep. and it's on Aaron Rodgers' decision to ultimately throw into the teeth of the defense yep. so that's the difference in the game you know like you could you could say there's a million things and there are but there is one they, they win this game otherwise
1: there's one secret thing i kind of want to point out too actually two of them um one that Russell Douglas um um uh penalty uh, the uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty he picked up um, that was the fifth most impactful play of the game by WPA wow. and it, it was, uh, it was going to be a, uh, I think a, th- a third and four without the penalty and they like, there's at least a good chance they would have held the Giants to a field goal instead of a touchdown. Um, and that would have changed the game drastically at the end. Um, so that, and then, uh, Royce Newman got run over for a sack, uh, six yard sack at, at, at a very inopportune time and knocked the Packers out of field goal range. Uh, so also that hurt them a ton as well. That was one of their foremost impactful plays. And uh, he deserves a ton of blame too, because he is awful.
2: Well, Razul also gets the penalty that wipes out a fumble recovery early in the game when they were rolling. Right? Oh yeah, that's true.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, bad game, Razul.
2: Yeah. Razul had a tough one. Yeah. Tough, tough scene. All right. KTM asks, I guess they thought the run, the run quick pass was working too well in the first half. Here's my question, though. Was Nixon's inability to secure the torched punt, touched punt, a special oh, teams gap, or just the unfortunate result of an oblong inflated object hitting a British pitch at an <laughs> impossible trajectory?
0: That's fumble luck regression to the mean. Yeah, it, is. It,
1: was, it was a hard recovery, um, and it is, it's a slippery ball. It's not circle. It's not square. These things happen. I don't really think it's his fault. It would have been nice to get, but um, that happens all the time.
0: Also, he, if I recall correctly, was like mid-sprint, right? Yeah, like I think he'd...
1: so, yeah. I yeah. wouldn't call it a gaffe. It, it, it's one of those, like, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a catch that should have been made, but it, w- it would have been a hard catch to make kind of thing, you know? Yeah. It, it would have been nice for him to make it, but I don't think you can expect somebody to.
2: Yeah, I and I feel like the, we maybe underestimate the responsibilities you have on special teams and just the things you have to pay attention to it makes it very difficult to just be able to adjust midstream and, oh, just get that ball that's flying around, you know? Yeah, yeah. Price Trozen asks what would you do to improve the lackluster team that would qualify for damn it it's so crazy it just might work
1: <laughs> Well i think we kind of have thrown those out too cuz like it's fire Joe Barry hire <laughs> <laughs> yeah hire one of the old men who got fired from head coaching um go go to zo- uh man from zone uh, i don't i don't think i have anything crazier than like I Jordan, oh, Jordan crazy Love's would not going to do it but
0: yeah but crazy would be start Jordan Love and make him actually run start Danny Etling, scheme maybe there you go. That'd be crazy.
1: Yeah, that would be. Cra- that's probably too crazy. A, l- a lot of the stuff's is rational. Like get Royce Newman out of there, put Yash on the other side, or get Zach Tom in there. That's just rational. Get Dean Lowry out of there. Get Wyatt slash somebody else in there. That's rational. There's some basic things you can do to fix the team. I don't crazy. You don't need to go crazy on.
0: Oh, crazy! Start Samari Torre as wide receiver one.
2: Oh, no, I'm not one, but one. In the mix. In the mix. <laughs> Uh, Price also says, by the way, Paul, choosing Panic by the Smiths was really apropos depressingly. Yeah, sorry about that. Should have picked something more upbeat and British. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's it. I mean, yeah. uh, I don't, I, we're, like I said, we're going to maybe not. We're not long.
1: Uh, apologies to Twitter and Discord, but we had 19 Patreon <laughs> questions. Yeah. So, um, and we, we don't want to do this for two hours. People don't like two hour
2: podcasts. It's no. Not, they don't really even love anything beyond like 30 minutes. That's so true. We are, we are crushing people's souls. With yes, this we podcast. are. Hey, you Every know what, week. though?
0: The, the people that listen for 30 minutes are still a download.
2: That's true. That's true. Thank <laughs> you to you who listen to 30 minutes before your eyes blaze open. <laughs> yep. You guys rule. All really, right. really cool. Bef-
1: Before we go, JR, anything good?
2: There's never anything good. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Uh, I mean, just kind of keeping up with what's going on. I wrote about, uh, you know, the Devante Adams shove a little bit, the sort of aftermath of that. One, one of those things that's simultaneously a terrible look and probably a little overstated. Of course, these things always blow up bigger than they, they ultimately will blow over. I think this one will, too. Brett Favre is constantly in the news with his uh, with the oh, Brett. Brett fraud needs, scandal.
1: Brett's letter needs to tell him to stop talking, both for all of our sanities and for his legal case.
2: Well, this is the first time we've heard from him in a while. And it's a statement, and it's not like I I don't know if I would have necessarily presented it this way. I mean, it's just <laughs> you know, he's he uh it's fine. It's not not terrible, it's not disastrous. I mean, I do think there is some some holes to this where you could you could argue Brett Favre didn't know the depth of what was going on, but you you know. You could also say the man should have known the depth of what was going on. So uh, I, I've, I've started to wonder. If, I don't know if federal investigators are actually going to charge him with a crime. I, I'm starting to think maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. But, but uh, you know, still some problems there. And, uh, you know, also yesterday, yesterday being Tuesday as we're recording this. Uh, no, wait. Today's Tuesday as we're recording. <laughs> yesterday is Monday. It's very difficult when you're living in the in the metaverse of, yep. of when things post and whatnot. Uh, but on Monday, I wrote about Lou Burdett, who... Uh, was uh was the, the the world series mvp for the milwaukee milwaukee braves when they won the world series it was 65 years ago on october 10th that they uh-huh. won game seven against the new york yankees in yankee stadium Luberdet pitched his second shutout in three games he worked on just a couple days rest Ooh. he had just thrown a one nothing 80 pitch 80 plus pitch shutout uh in game five and he comes back in game seven for another shutout a five nothing win he got 3 wins in the world series a uh, very underrated player because he was only a two-time all-star uh he was he was better than that because there just weren't as many you know, just just because right. the, the you know, the league was very concentrated, but he was really, 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 really good. And uh, I feel like just doesn't get credit in Milwaukee. People don't remember him. I mean, he's got a lot of interesting stuff. He had a three-run homer as a pitcher in the 1958 World Series. He got a win, went one and two in that World Series. He's the guy who kept Harvey Haddix from having that perfect game through 12 innings. He outdueled him into the 13th. Um, so, like, he's had a, he had a really colorful history and was huge in that World Series, goes without saying. So I just wrote about him a little bit to remind people. He was awesome. Yeah. And uh, we don't really we don't really talk about him, but he was pretty good stuff. So uh, so yeah, that's that summarizes what we've got this week at JS uh, jsonline.com.
1: All right. Matt, Laz, I think, dead died on okay.
0: I am I am okay. So for the audio listeners, I'm currently laying on my back and not. We don't being have visible video the, listeners. We don't yeah, have them. I'm not visible to the webcam. Hi, gentlemen. Um I don't produce content anymore because I'm too busy and my brain is tapioca from my day job. So, Matt's just and,
1: making cheese. That's all he's doing.
0: Well, actually, this week I'm commissioning a gigantic butter churn. <laughs>
2: That's awesome. And okay. I'm
0: interfacing with a programmer who is in Russia <laughs> and doesn't speak English and was sending me incomplete code. And I'm just, I'm not having a good go of it.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, sorry to hear all that. <laughs> but also, please feel better.
0: Please. Please buy artisanal butter. It is, it's so much better.
1: Artisanal butter. That is good.
2: Is the artisanal butter <laughs> the kind that comes in a box that says unsalted? Because I'm not a butter connoisseur and that's the no. butter I buy.
1: I
0: mean, sure, you can, but basically, when you buy butter in a grocery store, it's like 82% butter fat because they use what's called a continuous churn and it injects water into the product. If you buy artisanal style butter, like some people call it Amish butter, like European style, all that it's at least 86% butter fat and it's so much better.
1: Yeah. All right. well, right. We're a packer podcast. We talk about dairy. All right. Um, yeah. I'm going to analyze uh, Aaron and game theory and doing the wrong thing, even though it's the right thing for APC later this week. And I did my shepherd express write up of the game that should be out tomorrow. Go check that out. Uh, I have the mini pod on Friday, previewing the jets and uh, you got, you got some of it already on this one. It's a, uh, It's not a great matchup, but hopefully they can get their stuff together because the Jets aren't good, but uh, that'll do it for us. Uh, We'll be back next week.
2: Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier.